Welcome. Glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, you can open up as we kind of continue our series of Let's Be Honest. The series kind of through what we traditionally call the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words, or if you're in academia, the Decalogue, and all these kinds of things, which just means ten words. Uh, But today, we're kind of in the final four, almost. Okay, I was just really stretching for a title, all right? Uh, But uh, here we are, final four almost, but these have a a really good flow to them, and so I'm I'm excited for us to hear this. So look at Exodus chapter 20, and uh, we'll begin at verse 13. Now, uh, you can get that in the Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those pew Bibles home with you. It's yours. It's our gift. Um, or you can get your Bible however you do that. On your phone, your smart tablet, you know, whatever. Uh, look it up. But I'm telling you now it's going to be a little bit different because I think we need to really see the stress on the corporate nature of these things. Because we can tend to take them in a very individual way, which is not bad, but it's not the exact meaning. This, these commandments were written to a community. And so I've taken the liberty of not adding anything to Scripture. I'm just saying that the you that is there is plural, which means you all. Or if we were down south, y'all. Okay, so southern Hebrew, I guess. But, uh, but it says... You all shall not kill. You all shall not commit adultery. You all shall not steal. You all shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So let's pray and ask God to bless. Lord, come and teach us. Take the words of my mouth and the things that I have studied and use them to encourage, inspire, challenge, and open us to your great love. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is March Madness. All right, how many brackets do we have out there? All right. How many were killed by the University of Maryland, Baltimore County? The Retrievers. Woo, yeah. Uh, yeah, my bracket's busted. I had, in one of them, I had Virginia as the, the overall winner. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, but uh, we're all there. We're all watching. We love to watch the schools. I'm really not a huge basketball fan, but it's fun to fill out the brackets. It's fun to smack talk with my former dorm mates and people from California and do all these, th- these kinds of things. We have a great time. You know, a lot of times I'm just like, do I like this school or not? Yeah, okay, I don't know anything about their schedule. But we fill them out. We have fun. We like to watch the game. We love the Cinderella stories and all the things that come along with March Madness. But the thing about March Madness is that none of those teams would be there if it weren't for the fundamentals, if they weren't really good at the fundamentals of basketball. And so uh, usually those teams all have great coaches. Coaches, and we see that um, they work as a team. That coach has prepared them to move as a team and work really good. They run, pass, and shoot. They know those fundamentals. You know, they're they're not like me on the court. You know, he shoots and it comes down to the ground like eight feet in front of the basket. 
Um, you know, it's, it, it, they're, they're good at their skills. They, they have practiced and worked at those fundamentals over and over and over again. And then there's a flow to it. You know, they kind of get in this, it's kind of harder to describe, but they kind of know where everybody is on the court. They know, like, I mean, have you ever seen those guys? They're, they're running down, they're looking this way, but they know that somebody's back here and there's a, a defender here and just all of a sudden they just go like one of these and they just somehow magically know that the guy's there and he gets it and he comes in for the dunk, right? Breaks the backboard. Yeah, that's the, the flow of things. And all of these teams have, to a lesser or greater extent, some of these things. And they continue to practice and they continue to work. I suppose the goal is the perfect game. That they would just, all of that would flow and work together. The fundamentals, the coach, the team, everything would happen. And when that happens, we get to see some great things. Now, I wouldn't say there were a lot of fundamentals, but it was fun to watch Michigan win, right? Unless you're a state fan. But they're, they're going to have their turn, right? Isn't that today? States today? Is it on right now? Like, are people on their smart devices watching? I don't know. It'll just be another ten minutes, all right? So we're, we're all good. All right, so we, uh, we saw that. We see this working out. So... When we, turn, when we turn to the Ten Commandments, this really is kind of the fundamentals. And so we have the great coach, and this coach wants people to be free. And so we saw that, that he declares that I am the, the one who delivered you from the house of bondage out of Egypt, and then says, you still have no other gods before me. Um, we have the team. God wants the Hebrews and us to be image bearers into the world. And so we kind of work at that. No images uh, or idols are needed. No misuse of God's name. We become the image. And then last week we began to see some of the fundamentals. Training Hebrews how to be human again. And we said, so you have been... Over 400 years, you have been told over and over again that your value only comes in what you can produce. And so I'm going to say, no, you are not a human doing. You are a human being. And one day a week, you are to cease from your working. And you are not to just value people on what they can produce. So you honor your father and mother all the way through. Even when their productivity drops off, you continue to honor them. Well, today we begin to kind of look at the flow part of the commandments. We've got the fundamentals, the coach, the team is assembled. Now we begin to look at the flow. And we're going to look at four of these, and we'll save the last one for next Sunday. But, but the flow that happens in these four is incredible. And so I wanted us to take some time and look at this. So we have uh, what I believe that first one, you all shall not kill. I think it is the theme of the remaining three behind it. It is the overarching flow of everything. You have seen life on death's terms. You have been slaves. You have seen violence. You have seen when your productivity drops off that you're just gotten rid of. You are not worth anything. You're thrown away like a broken machine or like a wounded animal you are put down. And so things are going to be different in the flow of this team that I am assembling, that I have pulled together. You all shall not kill. And there's a flow that just begins to happen right out of that that I want us to look at. So first and foremost, that first commandment, you all shall not kill, it's pretty simple, right? You should not actually kill. 
Okay? Now, our temptation is to rush right by that one because we're all good, upstanding citizens, right? We don't kill. And so, we just kind of rush on by that one. It seems pretty simple. Murder, bad. Life, good. Right? Simple. And, and so, he, God begins to kind of say, but there's more to it. There's more nuancing in this flow than just don't kill someone. So we're going we're gonna to go by that. It, the, do not commit adultery. In other words, don't kill relationships. Relationships are important. And in ancient times, and we've, we've even seen this in, in when we were looking in Genesis, when two are joined together, the two become one flesh. And so if you were to rip off 50% of your flesh, now I'm, I'm no doctor or nurse, I'm pretty sure that's not a good thing. And, and probably a lot of blood and a lot of disease and a lot of death is going to happen. So think about it in those terms. That's how the ancients would have thought of this. And how the church still believes that when a husband and wife come together, the two are now one. And we cannot kill in our relationships. Our desire cannot dictate life and how we want it. And so we begin to look at that. But he goes on. He says, you shall not kill by stealing. Now, this one can be hard for us because we have so much abundance. My hunch is that most of you sitting here, most of you, if someone were to break into your home and ransack the place and steal what we would call valuables, aside from a giant mess to clean up, you'd all be okay. You'd still have food. You'd still have You'd still have a place to sleep. You'd still have a roof over your head. You'd probably still have the finances to go get wood and put it over the broken window or whatever. Okay? But in ancient times, people lived hard work in the ground with their animals and you were lucky if you had one or if you had a tree of olives or you had a garden that you had grown. And if anyone stole your fruit your olives, your chickens, your cow, your whatever it was, there was a good chance that you or your family would not have enough to survive. So what what he's actually saying in here is, don't kill by stealing. Trust that God will provide what you need. It's also a little bit of an incentive on the, what, uh, what the ancient uh, uh, rabbis would say in reading in between the texts, is that the community then also needs to look at who has need. And out of, if someone does have abundance, can we bring our brother and sister along to make sure that they survive as well? So we begin to see this flow within the commandments. Don't actually kill. Don't kill relationships. Don't kill by stealing. And the one that's probably easiest for us to connect to, don't kill by your words. You and I all know or have experienced on our own the woundedness that comes from someone saying something about you saying something to you. Not saying something to you, but saying something false to three or four or five or six other people. And how that begins to move throughout the community and begins to change things and the woundedness and yes, even the death that can come 
through words being used inappropriately. We've been there, haven't we? We've seen that happen. And with the, the advent of social media, which don't get me wrong, social media is a good thing, but we can kind of let those words fly, can't we? We can let them go, and before long we don't realize how far the things have traveled and gone or gotten misconstrued or any of those things. There is a need to look at our words and how we use them. So there is this flow about this is going to be a community that is not about death, but it is about life. It is about trusting in God to provide life. That the gift of life is from God and we are not to take it. That relationships are a gift from God and we are not to break them. That the things that we have to provide for our needs come from God and we are to embrace them, be thankful for what we have. And we who have met much are to look to those who have less and to benefit and help them. And we are to watch what our words do when they leave our mouths. So, you might have noticed there's something different about these fundamentals. One is there's no punishment attached to them, right? Uh, it, you know, typically it says, you know, here, here are the commandments and do these or else type thing, right? Now, there'll be some of those coming up, you know, that as we get into Exodus and you go into Leviticus and, and Deuteronomy and those kinds of things. There are some, but we begin to see that, there, that these are kind of the ideals, These are the fundamentals that God wants in the flow of His team. That if you are going to be an image bearer of this God into the world, there's a flow to it. And this flow looks like not actually killing people. And it looks like uh, not stealing. It looks like not killing relationships. Not killing through stealing. And not killing through your words. There's this flow that we begin to look at. But these are the ideals, the fundamentals. Because I, I know there are some of you who are like, really? You all shall not kill. Well, what about? We do those, right? What about? What if somebody breaks into my house? What if somebody kills somebody else? What about war? What about? And we do that. And you'll be fine to know that later on, in Scripture, they wrestle with these things. And they set up other things, you know. Uh, they didn't have uh, great big prisons with steel and all these kinds of things uh, for someone who was a murderer. And so, God said, alright, well, gather the community and stone them. Because there's no place to put them, really. And you can't trust and all of these kinds of things. So, but the ideals... The fundamentals are that we would be a community of life, not a community that bases everything on death. And we are to work for this. It also shows that God is extremely patient with human beings. That God would let them wrestle out. God would let them do the, but what about? And what about? And and what about? And what about? And would, would kind of work for them. And, and you'll see, I mean, if you want to just read and see how the children of Israel do with these commandments, just keep reading. You'll see there are sometimes they're doing pretty good with them. They're living in that flow. They're living as a team of Im- God's image in the world. And there are times when they get it horribly wrong. And God has to come in and there's a prophet who calls them back and there are things or there, there may be consequences for the actions that have taken place of not living in that flow that says, 
Killing is not the way to secure life in any of its forms. So we then, what this tells us is that we are then called to strive towards the goal of living as a community of life. A community that takes seriously the commandments not to kill in any of its forms. This this is important for us. This is what this time is all about that we call Lent. And so I ask you today, are you striving towards the fundamentals, towards the goals, towards the ideals? Or are you still trying to make the exception the rule? The what about the actual rule? I know those whatabouts are there, but God's original intent, God's thing that God wants to see happen in the world and thinks is best for the world is the ideal of you all shall not kill in any form. Are we striving towards that? Are we willing even, even to let God question where we have made the exception, the whatabout, into the rule? Because the flow and the goal is to move us towards being a community of life. Period. What would it be like if we took Lent serious? Because Lent is the season that the church has implemented from way, 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 way back to say, let's look in the mirror and let's let God look at us. Am I trusting that God is the one who gives life? And am I willing to say that that then means that I am not the one to take it from anyone? Am I willing to to look and let God search in the mirror of my life and say, am I really living into this? Am I striving towards the goal? Am I wanting the fundamentals to so flow through me and through my life that it just flows out? That that it begins to say, "I'm, I'm striving towards the goal of no death, no killing, to be a part of a community of life trusting God for all those things. Are we willing, are you willing to let that happen during this season of Lent? What if we did? What if we as a community said we were going to strive for this? That we were going to look and let God search us as a community and say, what are we trusting for life? Who are we trusting for life? Are we trusting that God is the one who gives life Or do we trust in other things? Are we trying to make the what about, what about, what about into the rule? Now don't get me wrong. We look, we're smart, we're wise. We do those things. But the goal, the striving, is for trusting completely in a God who gives life. A God who gives relationships. A God who gives the things that we need to survive. And a God who can use words to truly build people up. Encourage promote, help. I believe if we committed to this as a community of believers, we would begin to see, we would begin to see that image, that image of God found here. And people would say, I don't know about that Church of the Nazarene, what, what all they mean, but I know 
that they seem to look like Jesus. They seem to trust like Jesus did. You know, Jesus was the perfect model of the flow of these commandments, wasn't he? No killing. Didn't commit adultery. Didn't destroy relationships, but brought them back together. Healed relationships. He didn't take from anyone, but he broke bread and gave to those who were hungry. 5,000 from just a little bit. He trusted that God could multiply what was needed so that everyone's bellies could be full. He used his words to bless, to encourage, to challenge, yes. To challenge what? To get back in the flow, to move towards the fundamentals, to see the team flourish as the image of the God who longs for everyone to be free. And so today, as we gather around his table, the table of Jesus, part of the beauty and the sorrow of these this bread and this cup, is that it reminds us what happens when we think that we have the right to take life in whatever the forms are. It leads what? It leads to a broken body and shed blood. That Christ gave on our behalf to show us where all of that leads, and to call us back to trusting fully in God. In the Church of the Nazarene, do we still believe in trusting fully in God for life? Do we trust in God for full, all, complete life? Yes. Then this reminds us and calls us back and continually checks us and says, I want you to live fully into the life that I'm giving. Let's talk about that area. Okay. We don't have to be ashamed and and all those kinds of things. All we have to do is say, yes, God, come, check that part, because I want to live towards the ideal. I want to live in the flow. I want to be on the team. I want to win the big dance. I don't want to just be a part of the final four. I want to be a part of the final. And that's what we're called to. And so today, I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over the bread and the cup. I want you to know this is the table of the Lord Jesus. It's not Pastor Jeff's table or Church of the Nazarene's table. So today, if this is your first time here with us, and you're hungry to live towards the flow in the flow of the life that Jesus gives, then I want you to know you are welcome at the table. Now, I also want us to take some time before we take bread and cup to allow just a few moments for God to open our our lives to God, to look in the mirror and say, God, I want to live in that flow. Are there places in my life, my words, relationships, the way I look at things, trying to make the exception the rule? What is that in me? I, I invite you in to show me that. I want us to take just a minute or two to just pause and close our eyes and kind of allow God to do that searching work in us. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward and receive bread and cup and take it into yourself. And I want to encourage you to live in the flow
We need to be a community that is moving towards the ideals that God gave the children of Israel long ago, that Jesus modeled perfectly, and that he calls us to live in today. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he took cup. He broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. Be called back in. This is my blood, shed for you. Receive it. Receive eternal life. And I pray that as we receive, we would remember that we receive what we need to live in the flow that Christ is calling us to. Father, I pray in your Son's name that you would take this bread and this cup. And as we, who you have called, miracle of miracles, to be on your team, to live in that flow, I pray that you would help us to live deeply in that. Pray that as we receive these little tiny elements, that we would remember that with them comes the presence of the resurrected Christ, who empowers us through His Spirit to live as a community of life, full life, free life, calling others into freedom and modeling it. We need your help to do that. So come. And may we receive with gratitude. For it is good to give you praise in all things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. But receive this blessing. And now, may you recognize that you've been called. All of us have been called into the flow of God's great love. And God's great life that God gives. I pray that you would lean into and let God look into your life into your words, into the things that you have, into your actions and relationships, and into the ways that you think about life and death and call you forward into life. I pray that you would then find joy there and find the image of the risen Christ more and more in your life. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.